Romans chapter number 8 today. It's been some time really since I've had a thought on my heart any stronger than what I'll be delivering to you over the next few services. I've had Romans 8 on my mind for some time. And I thought the Lord was going to have us just deal with some verses there around verse 28 and try to bring home some thoughts to our hearts about some people, things that people are facing here in the church. Uh, because my job as a pastor is try to help my folk. But as I got to study in verse 28, I kept getting the verse in front of it and the verse in front of it. And then before you know it, I studied in verse 1. And uh, the Lord started giving me some thoughts about dealing in a series of messages with our freedom in Christ. Maybe we should say our liberty in Christ. And I'm glad that I can say to you that I have been made free by the Lord. The Bible said, the Lord said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Did you know that he said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I'm glad one day, thank God, I got turned loose. I want to say this to you this morning. I am free to worship. I don't need an excuse to worship God. The things of the world didn't have to go perfect this week for me to worship God. I'm free to worship Him based on the fact that I am saved by His marvelous grace. And it don't matter if my dog died. It don't matter if my house burned down and my wife run off. I can still come into the house of God on Sunday and say, thank God I'm saved. It could be worse. I could be in hell. (laughs) Amen. So I'm free to do that. But as I study Romans 8, I find so many different freedoms that are given to us or liberties in Christ. Now, sin is a bad taskmaster. People who are in sin are bound. If you don't think that's true, ask the drug addict. Ask the sex addict. Ask anybody who is addicted to the things of sin. And what they'll tell you is that sin is like a prison. It's like a jail cell. And uh, there's no real freedom in it. Matter of fact, the only freedom that there really is, is in Christ. The Bible tells us there in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, Brother Neil, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I'm telling you, the church ought to be a free place where we've got liberty to worship the Lord, liberty to brag on God. Sometimes I'm afraid that man through religion tries to rebind people. But I'm going to tell you, I can't be bound. I have been made free in Christ. 
And so for the next few services, I don't know, four or five services maybe, I want us to focus in here in Romans 8. And maybe I can give it to you the way the Lord's given it to me. And you can gain a new appreciation for just how free you really are in Christ. How much liberty has been granted you. You'll worship and rejoice like a man let out of jail. Now, we're going to focus on four things. You know, I was reading somewhere this week in 1941, January the 6th, 1941, FDR, the president at that time was making a speech on the state of the war in Europe. And he said this, He said he looked forward to the day when the whole world could realize essential human freedoms. And here's the ones he named. He said freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. But I'm going to tell you in this world, there's really never any freedom. But in Jesus, (laughs) a man can be free indeed. So over the next few weeks, this morning we're going to look at the freedom from judgment, that is no condemnation in verses 1 through 4. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Then tonight, Lord willing, we'll look at the freedom from defeat. That is no obligation, verses 5 through 17. Then we'll look at the freedom from discouragement. That is no frustrations, verses 18 through 30. And then the free, freedom from fear. That's no separation, verses 31 through 39. Let's read our verses. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. Boy, that ought to, make, that ought to be enough to make you shout. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, We ask, Lord, this morning, God, that you'd lead, guide, and direct every word. I pray, God, that you'd receive maximum honor and maximum glory out of everything that's done here today. I pray, Lord, that you'd put it in our hearts today, the magnitude of the freedom that we have in Christ. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for everything that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We see this morning freedom from judgment in the fact that verse 1 says there is now therefore no condemnation. Now I want you to contrast that, if you will, with what the Bible says in Romans 3 and 20. Look what the Bible says. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, There shall be no flesh justified in his sight, 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so we see that all are guilty before God. Romans 3 and 20 is the therefore of condemnation. All are guilty. But I'm glad for Romans 8, 1. The therefore of no condemnation. Where God said there is there, therefore now no condemnation. And here's the key. To those that are in Christ Jesus. Once you are put in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. In other words, there is no more judgment. The Bible said in John 3 and 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. I'm going to tell you that in Adam all die. In the flesh they're all condemned. But thank God in Christ there is now no condemnation. Can we all just worship God for a minute that God no longer condemns us for our sin? Everybody in here was a sinner. Everybody in here deserved to die and go to hell. But now the God of heaven no longer looks at mankind in condemnation. But now there is therefore no condemnation. Now this verse does not say that Christians do not sin, but rather that Christ will no longer condemn those Christians for sinning. Now that's a head-scratcher. That's a head-scratcher. You say, well, the people that are saved, here's the question. The people that are saved not have to pay for their sin. They do. They can't get by with it. But the teaching here is this. We're no longer eternally condemned for our sin. I want you to think about this. I've heard preachers preach this, and I've been studying on it this week. And uh, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say right here. Because I believe I'm right. I believe I can back it up with the Bible. I've heard preachers preach things like this, if you haven't heard this, scare tactics. (laughs) And they say, one of these days at the judgment seat of Christ, that everything you've ever done is going to be brought up against you. They'll be put on the... They'll be put out there on the video screen and your life is going to be replayed and you're going to be judged for everything that you've done. Well, that makes for good preaching and scares people to the altar. But it's simply not biblical. You see, the judgment seat of Christ is not meant to determine sin. Sin was judged in one place and one place only and that is at the cross of Calvary. God took his wrath for the sin of mankind, poured it out on his son. When I came and received that free gift, my righteousness, his righteousness was imputed unto me. And let me ask you something. How many sins did he forgive you of? All of them. Well, if he forgave them, and you know the Old Testament says he cast them in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. But New Testament terminology is that he will remember them no more. So if he forgave them, if they were paid for at Calvary, all your sins 
were paid for at Calvary and he forgot them and he did away with them, then why would he bring them back up at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, the question then is, why would we have a judgment seat of Christ? Well, the judgment seat of Christ, the intent of the judgment seat is to judge our works. And I don't want to labor here long, but at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll be judged by the works we did. Here's what the Bible said, of what sort they are. In other words, our motives uh, for preaching, our motives for teaching Sunday school, our motives for witnessing to others, all of those things will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ to see whether or not we'll receive a crown. That's what will be judged at the judgment seat. As a matter of fact, I also believe there's some Bible teaching that we'll be judged for the way we treated others at the judgment seat of Christ. Whether or not we were kind to others, those sorts of things will be judged at the judgment seat. But I've got good news for you. I'll, not, I'll never stand before God for my sin. Romans 8, 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation. No condemnation. Now if I ever, being saved by the grace of God, this ought to make a wooden Indian shout, if I ever, by being saved by the grace of God, have to stand before God and give an account for my sin, then that means that Romans 8, 1 is a lie because that means God is condemning me again. And I'm here to tell you that those that are in Christ Jesus... Uh, Thank God for us, there is now therefore no condemnation. When I came to God and gave him my heart and life and got saved by the grace of God, that means I'll never have to face my sin again. Before God, they're done away with. They don't exist anymore. They're gone, thank God. I'll never have to deal with them again. Now that's not to say that you get by with sin. Now, when a Christian sins, he pays for it on, on the earth, you see, in a few ways. One way is a Christian pays for his sin through the grieving of the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, in that ye put on a new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more but leather. Let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may to give, have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed to the day of redemption. You see what's taught there is that when a saint sins, immediately there is a grieving of the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. Now I can't explain to you the feeling that I get in the pit of my stomach when the Holy Spirit is grieved. I'm telling you in my life, there's been sins that I have committed and since I got saved and immediately I could feel the grieving of the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. I knew it wasn't right. I felt like crawling up under something. I felt, I felt guilty. 
I felt, I felt nasty. I felt dirty. That is a judgment in this, in this life for a man that sins. And it's not to be taken lightly. Because if we're to be led of God, we're to be filled with the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. And what I'll show you in, these, in preaching these messages is that Romans 8 again and again mentions the Spirit of God. And you can't have real freedom in your life unless you've been filled by the Spirit. And you can't be filled by the Spirit and live in sin. So does a Christian have to face his sin? Yes, on this side, number one, you're grieved by the Spirit. But then secondly, when a man sins, the old man is emboldened. When you do that thing that you hadn't ought to do. Listen to that you hadn't ought to listen to. Look at that you hadn't ought to look at. Say that you hadn't ought to say. Not only is the spirit grieved, but that old fleshly man that is within you, he rises up. It's like you're feeding him. It's like, you, oh, he gets bigger and bigger and as the spirit becomes more and more grieved and as the old man rises up more and more, uh, all of a sudden it becomes a snowball and it's harder to stop it. Uh, and sin gets, starts getting out of control in your life. Uh, oh, there's no condemnation for it. Uh, I'll never face God for it. Uh, but it can still wreck my life here on earth uh, because the spirit gets grieved uh, and the old man gets emboldened. But then I'll say this. A man pays for his sins because the Bible tells us that he'll reap what he sows. I believe that while God will not judge a man that is saved for his sin in eternity, I believe there's some people who live in what is nearly hell on earth because of sin. They're saved. They're going to heaven. But their life is a literal hell because they've allowed sin to wreck it. I think about parents who live on the edge, who flirt with disaster, who allow their children to flirt with disaster and then they live the heartache of seeing wayward children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren they watch their families as they're torn apart. They are forced to reap what they sow. They may be saved and headed toward heaven, but life is a hell to them. You see what I'm saying? They're paying for their sin. They'll not face God in condemnation for it, but they're paying for it by reaping what they sow. If there's one thing that I can say of a guarantee that is the truth, it's this. When the Bible said, you'll reap what you sow, I have seen that played out a million times through the years. People do. People reap what they sow. And so it's not that folks get away with sin. It grieves the spirit and it boldens the old man. It causes you to reap what they sow. But we do see here that you and I have a freedom. We've got a liberty from this thing called sin. And we're no longer under the condemnation of sin. 
So I just to break down these verses and I may run and shout because I get to think about some of this stuff and it just, it fills my heart with joy. Amen. Let's just believe the Bible. Y'all believe the Bible? Amen. You might be freer than you think. You, might, you may have more liberty than you even realize. First of all, can I point out to you this morning that the law can no longer claim you. Look what the Bible said there in verse 10. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. Hath made me free from what? Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now watch this. We see in this that there are two laws that are applicable to all mankind. There is the law of sin and death. That is that Old Testament law of God that was given to mankind. Now there's nothing wrong with the law of God. The, The only thing, the only problem the law of God had was that it couldn't fix a problem. It never fixed anybody's problem. The law of God simply dealt with the fact that sinners are condemned and going to die. Paul deals with that in Romans 7. If we were to back up and read Romans 7, you'd see he deals with that law of sin and death and how that the law run roughshod over him. But look what he says in verse 4 of Romans 7. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is risen from the dead. So I can tell you this morning on the authority of the Word of God that when I came to God and got saved, thank God I got took out from under that old law that said I was condemned and would die and I was a sinner and deserving of hell. And thank God I got placed under a new law. No longer am I under the law of sin and death. But now I'm under the law of spirit and life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that old law no longer holds any power or sway over me because I have been put under a new law. Hallelujah. The old law no longer is applicable. And so the law can no longer condemn me. I now live under a new law. You say, yeah, but preacher, what about that? No, I'm telling you, when I got saved, I got put under a new statute. I got put under a new law. I no longer operate under the old law. Let me put it to you like this, and I'm trying to think of an example, and this is the only one I can think of. And you know I teach uh, concealed handgun classes. And there's certain handgun laws. And there's certain properties you can't carry in. Certain states that you can't carry in depending upon which law you're under. It depends on which state you're in. But after the 2001 September 2001 terrorist attacks, President George W. Bush and Congress passed the Law Enforcement Safety Law Enforcement Officers Safety Act, Lisa. And what it said was that a sworn law enforcement officer could carry concealed in any of the 50 states. And it said that it superseded all the other laws of the individual states. 
And so, as a sworn law enforcement officer, I can carry concealed in any state in the union because I am no longer under the old law that y'all are under. But I've been placed under a new law. And so that old law no longer has any effect or power over me as long as I'm operating under the new law. Does that make, you, does that make sense? Now, that's not applicable to everybody in the building. Uh, some of you it is, you're sworn law enforcement officers, but it's not applicable to everybody. You'd have to go to BLET and get sworn. But once you got sworn, you too could operate under the new law. That's starting to turn a cartwheel in my heart. You see, before I was lost and undone without God, I operated under the old law that said guilty and death and death and death. But I remember the Sunday morning, thank God, at the Law Branch Baptist Church, I got up, put my faith in Christ. I was taken out from under that old law and put in under a new law. No longer under the law of sin and death, but now under the law of spirit and life. Hey, I was made free. Hey, the, the law can no longer claim me. Watch this. Not only can the law no longer claim you, but the law can no longer condemn you. Now let me say this to you. By the commands of the law, no man was ever justified. You know what the law said? The law said, do, do, do. But it was never satisfied because man was weak in the flesh. And so by the works of the law was no flesh ever justified. Now, Harry Ironside, you probably, some of you that read commentaries and whatnot have heard, heard of Dr. Harry Ironside. He's pastor of Muty Institute for many decades. He was traveling one time on vacation. He visited this church. And he sat down in their Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher got up. And he said, can anybody tell me how people got saved in the Old Testament? Well, a man spoke up, and he said, yes. He said, they got saved in the Old Testament by keeping the law. And uh, the Sunday school teacher said, yes, that's right. And Dr. Harry Ironside said, well, wait a minute. My Bible says by the deeds of the law is no flesh justified. Well, the Sunday school teacher scratched his head and he said, okay, can somebody else tell me how people were saved in the Old Testament? Well, a man stood up. He said, by keeping the sacrifices. The Sunday school teacher said, yes, that's right. Dr. Harry Ironside said, wait a minute. My Bible says that the blood of, by the blood of goats and uh, heifers was no, no flesh made clean. And so Sunday teacher looked at Brother Ironside and he said, well, can you then tell us how people were saved in the Old Testament? Dr. Ironside said, just like you, by faith. Amen. She said, no, 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 that's not right. He said, well, look in Hebrews 11. He said, all them patriarchs in Hebrews 11 are Old Testament. And what does the Bible say about them? By faith, <laughs> by faith, by faith. He said, God never had a different way to justify flesh, but by faith. And so the law condemned us, but then it couldn't do anything for us. You see that old law, it said, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're going to hell, you're going to die. You're guilty, you're guilty. And that's the law we lived under. In order for us to get out from under it, somebody would have to fulfill it on our behalf. 
Jesus said, suppose ye that I came to destroy the law. But I didn't come to destroy the law. He said, I come to fulfill the law. And so by living his perfect life, yonder at Calvary, he became a fulfillment of the law. Colossians 2 and 14, the Bible said, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, uh, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Two things Jesus did on the cross. Number one was he fulfilled the law. I couldn't fulfill it, but he fulfilled it. Lived his life, was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The other thing that he did on Calvary was he paid death's penalty. The Bible said you'll have to die and go to hell. I'm telling you, the Lord died on Calvary's tree. He descended into the heart of the earth. Peter said he preached to the he preached to them demons that was in prison. No doubt they were in hell. And he delivered them saints out of paradise. He paid my penalty. He paid sin's penalty. Thank God. And that is how I can be loosed and freed from sin. Was because he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. He fulfilled the law. Hey, he paid the sin's penalty. He did it. He did it. He did it. What a Savior. What a Savior. So we see the condemnation. There is now therefore, the law cannot claim you. The law cannot condemn you. Because I'm saved when the law sees me, it sees me as in Christ. And Christ perfectly fulfilled the law. So now I live under no more condemnation. That'll sink in on you in a minute and it'll kick a gable ends out of your soul. No longer am I condemned. When that law looks at me and it always said, guilty, guilty, guilty. Now when the law looks at me, it sees Christ. Because I'm in Him. I'm in Christ. So when He looks, it says, oh look, perfect, perfect, innocent. Innocent, perfect. You say, that's how, that's how I'm seen. That's how you're seen if you're in Christ. You say, no, preacher, I'm, I'm dirty and I'm filthy. Not if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, the law looks at you and goes, perfect, clean, just, worthy. Not because you're anything, but because you're in Christ. Hallelujah. That's the reason Paul said, you're free from judgment. There's no condemnation on you anymore. You've been made free from it. Now watch this. The law cannot control you. Look at verse 4. Stay with me another 10 minutes right here. Look at verse 4. The Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in who? Us. Is that what your King James Bible says? No, that can't be right. That can't be right. That doesn't make no sense. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in Christ. That's got to say Christ, right? Us. 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 You get a hold of that. Us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Why? Because we're in Christ. Now watch this right here. The law cannot. The law never made anybody holy. 
It never made anybody whole. It never made anybody do the right thing. Think about it this way. There are laws on the books of the state of North Carolina right now that says you cannot abuse your children. But nobody woke up this morning and went, boy, I'd love to abuse my kids, but I know it's against the law, so I... I'll just love them and I'll be good to them because I know somewhere there's a law that says for me not to abuse them. Some of y'all are like, I don't know about that, that illustration, preacher. See, it's not the law that causes you not to abuse your kids. It's your love for your kids that causes you not to do that. Right? Am I right? In the same way, the law never made anybody holy. But see, the day I got saved, I got placed in Christ. But that's not the end of the story. Through his Holy Spirit, he got placed in me. (laughs) And so now, Christ did in me what the law could not do in that he produced holiness in my life. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Can I say to you this morning, can I say to you that we have been made free because the Spirit has been placed inside of us. And in us, the Spirit being placed in us, was it allowed us to be able to fulfill the law of God and live for God and it produced holiness Within our lives. That's freedom. So now I no longer live under the condemnation of sin. I said I no longer live under the condemnation of sin. I don't know why God's got me preaching on this the next four services, but he's stuck me right here in the middle of Romans 8. And he said, I want you to tell those people, they've got freedom. Real freedom. I love this church. I love its liberty. Every preacher that comes and preaches here, they say, no church like Concord for liberty. Got great liberty. But I tell you what I've seen as your pastor coming up on 25 years. I've seen a lot of water under the bridge in 25 years. I tell you what I'm noticing over the last four or five months is that it seems like more and more of you kind of got to bound down. You kind of come in here and you kind of The Lord wanted me to tell you this morning that you can free up if you want to. Because you're no longer bound. And I think if some of you would kick the stobs out just a little bit and say, I'm going to testify. And just stand up and say, I'm glad to be saved. Hallelujah. Glad Glad I'm going to heaven when I die. Thank God. Before you know it, you'd find more and more freedom in Christ to worship. Last Friday night at the camp meeting, I was sitting behind this little lady. I don't know if any of you noticed her. 
she amen like a man. I'd never been around any little lady like that in my life. Looked like she's about 75 years old. And while Brother Ken was preaching, she's going, Hi, man! Hi, man! Preach on! I thought, good grief. She's sitting next to a little old gray-haired man. He didn't say a word. <laughs> and I'm telling you, she's getting on with it. You ain't never seen anything like it in your life. The service is over. I poked her on the back. She turned around. And I said, ma'am, can I ask where you go to church? And she told me a place in Lenore. She said, why? I said, because I need your pastor to call me and get me to come down there and preach to you. I said, that's one of my goals in life now is to preach to you. She said, why is that? I said, because I like to watch you watch somebody preach. I believe, I'd, I believe I'd strain my gallbladder preaching to you. You ain't never seen a little lady so all stirred up in your life. Where's your freedom? Why would you allow sin that no longer condemns you to bind you? What happened to some of y'all shouting and worshiping God and praising God and having testimony on your lips? Why are you bound? Why are you bound? Where's your freedom? I'll give this as an illustration, and I'll be done. I've told you before. We went to see the uh, Life of Christ up there in that Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster. And when we did, the Holy Spirit just sat right down on my pew, and I was weeping and crying, waving my hands, and hollering hallelujah. I'm telling you, that, that place will... Good, real good. This little black lady sitting next to me. During the intermission, she looked at me and she said, Lord, honey, you enjoying this more than anybody here. And I said, I believe so. Yes, ma'am. She said, are you a Pentecostal? <laughs> I said, no, ma'am, I'm a Baptocostal. I've been made free. I'm free here at the church house. I'm free down at Walmart. I'm free down at Ingalls. I've been made free. If you've been made free, don't allow the devil to continue to bind you with worries and doubts and confusions. I no longer live under that. I've been put under a new law. I tell you what ought to happen. I'm going to give an altar call to some of you. When I said that just a minute ago, it pierced your heart. You thought, that's right, I've been, I've been bound down. Why am I bound down? God has made me free. I ought to kick out the stall here and worship the Lord. Now, some of y'all ought to get around this pew and tell the Lord, I'm sorry for allowing me to... I'm sorry for being bound down, Lord. I, I'm sorry for allowing the worries and the cares of this world to get me bound down. Preachers have reminded me this morning of just how free I am. Amen. And I pray that you'd help me to live in that freedom. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach this morning. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've got me in these scriptures. I pray that you'd move your people with them. 
I'm glad there's no longer any condemnation for sin in my life. I pray, God, that you'd move people to the altar today or that may be feeling bound in one way or another and, God, they'd realize the freedom, the liberty that you've given them to worship, praise you. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are